So what do you want to do? You got anything going here you want to do? There's three, at least three distinct bits in the first half. One is the Mary story. One is the Gnostic story. That's all. Did you recognize that as the Da Vinci Code? You should have. And one is the time and space story of Genesis. So anything you like there? Anything you want to do? Huh? Just go. Thank you. Um, well, let's do the Genesis part because actually um, I just I thought of you when I read this. <laughs> and maybe you thought of me. Um, I don't know if you'd ever read Genesis 1 and 2 this way. And I'm regularly encouraged. You know, people will come and say, you know, there's a, the evolutionists are coming to town. They're giving a lecture. What are you going to do about it? And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I'm probably not going to do anything about it, you know. Um, there is a way that texts are used in different ways, but in a theological use. One of the great joys of being alive right now is that people have sort of grown tired of the criticism and just kind of want to read the story. One legitimate way of reading the story, academics don't particularly like it, although some do it now, one, one, one particular way of reading the story is just to ask what the story is trying to tell you. It just trying to tell you, come in, it's great to see you, come in. It's uh, it just asking, you know, what's the story trying to tell you? And if you ask yourself what the story is trying to tell you, one of the things this, the Genesis story is trying to tell you is that you're located in time and space, uh, and that's really good. Um, I, um, I worry about you, and I worry about kids, uh, although I have fairly well, actually confirmation, teaching confirmation again on a daily basis has been really a great joy, because I get them for half an hour, and um, I can hold them for half an hour, and I can get them to repeat after me, and it's just been uh, quite a lot of fun being up there. But you start with those kids. What, you know what the most fascinating thing? This happens every year. I say, just as an intro to get us, fold your hands, close your eyes, bow your heads, let's pray. And what I realize is that kids can't do those three things. They can't fold their hands, close their eyes, and bow their heads. If I look up in the middle of the prayer, half of them are looking at me or looking around. Their hands are apart. They're turned to the side. They have no, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like group ADD. You know, it's just like... <laughs> And the problem is, is it's not, it's not practiced. And I was just thinking about myself. You know, I just, I just have this. When I was in Scotland a month ago, I wrote a to-do list of all the stuff. I took stuff, and we got laid over in Boston for about eight hours. So we just sat, just sat and I wrote a to-do list for stuff. And I only didn't even get it all done. It's six pages, single-spaced, um, of stuff that, that I've got to do around here. And um, I haven't even had time since I got back four weeks ago to reassign that to other people or get it off my desk. Because, you know, duh, my life is all in 15-minute increments all the way around here. And I, I fear for you, and I fear for me in that way. I mean, at the bottom of 65, um, you know, there was lots to do. This is 10 lines up from the bottom. Witness to our friends, send out missionaries, hold street meetings, go to jail every Sunday afternoon, sing and preach to prisoners. Which I just thought, now forgive me if you don't take this in the wrong way, but I thought that sort of reminds me of you. You're very well-intentioned people, and you do an awful lot of good. But nothing held our attention for very long. But you, like me, can't pay attention. I mean, one of the most difficult things, even the sign-up list thing, even that is a symptom of not being able to pay attention. 
we are in our culture and we are by nature. We're very well-intentioned people who see a lot of needs and react. But part of our problem is that we react. I mean, I, I'll take your department as a great example. She works in outreach. She's head of outreach. So we have <coughs> all the mission stuff under her department. And you would think that would be a fairly easy thing to manage. Except, you know what? We make commitments to missionaries, three, four. And then next year, people come, and they all want to make a commitment to new missionaries as if the old missionaries never existed. And then you know what happens? The old missionaries who got the money have to go out again and raise funds. So they're not really being missionaries anymore. They're becoming fundraisers. And the new missionaries feel good, but then they want to come and pump people up, hoping they'll stick. But you know what? They don't stick. So every year we roll people over and we do the same work over and over and over again because we can't pay attention. You know, we can't make a good choice and stick with it. Now, that's a well-intentioned thing. You see how a well-intentioned thing goes wrong because we can't pay attention? I very much feel like nothing holds our attention. We had to make sure we were ready and then hurry up. And everybody we knew ready for the end, the rapture, the second coming of Jesus. We had no time for anything but the briefest of vacations. No time to go to college. How many vacations days do you have stacked up? <coughs> I started the year with 40 vacation days stacked up this year or over the past two years. There's a sin in that somewhere. You know, that's sinful. Go ahead. No, this is very, this is well, very well done. No, but busyness, you see, busyness is not the same as commitment. I often look at, 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 I sort of, I have this derogatory thing where I say it's a fire truck ministry, which is people, they get on the bus and they sound the horn, they flash the lights and they ring the bells and they kick up a lot of dust and the Dalmatian barks and they hold somebody down, but nothing ever gets done. Yeah. No fire ever really gets put out. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what always ends up happening? I justify that I don't get my laundry done because I've been busy. Let me just say as a husband, do the laundry. <laughs> you know, he does the same thing though. He gets busy and then he doesn't do, you know, like he'll get busy at work. Now I understand, you know, he's a missionary and he's worked a lot of hours, but there's other things that he knows he's supposed I mean, let's not even talk about this. Good idea. This is women's Bible study. I don't think men have any place in here. Pretty soon you get to dancing, and then what could happen? But I also 
deal with that I either I did not want to deal with because I thought it wasn't my problem or whatever I got it in my head that I didn't want to do it, I would bury it. I would like bury it in the paperwork or put it in the file folder well, here, and I would never get to it. And then someone would go, where is that? Well, I've been busy. Right. Here's the thing, you know, um, the cure then, so you have to sort of think about what the cure might be. So sort of, sort of look, just, just sort of look down. At the bottom of 65, I'm sorry if I didn't say that clearly where I was. 65, 65, bottom of 65, second to last line from the bottom. Time was just about up. Time was not honored for its own sake. Its only value was to get ready for the end of time. That's another way of deflecting, right? End time was sacred time. Everything else, days and weeks, minutes and hours, was to be used in service of the end time. If you're not going to use it for some sanctified project or some spirit-anointed goal, you're wasting time. Okay? Now, that can be true in all sorts of ways. That you, see, you see, you can even waste time in church. You just tell people what a good job you're doing, and then, you know, you waste it any way you want. Nobody can challenge. It's one of the biggest problems with church workers. I mean... The, the horror, uh, you know, in, in good congregations, they're very afraid often to, to hold church workers accountable for things actually getting done. Because there is a fair amount of stuff that, that, that church workers do in secret, and there's a fair amount of things where you have to wait for people to grow. But there's also a fair amount of blowing smoke, to be honest with you, in the church. Uh, you know, at some point, uh, that's, that's why in the church what you get credit for is delivering the goods. Um, you know, for praying, for teaching the scriptures, for having the services, for singing out. That's the important thing. Look at the bottom of 66. Eventually, I found myself dealing with it again. As I worked my way into adulthood, I was reading my Bible with more diligence, paying attention to how the gospel of Jesus got lived, not just talked about. And how, um, I gradually realized that ordinary time is not what biblical people endure. So now just think about this day, this day you've been given as a gift. How much of this day you'll just endure? How many things you have to do today that just, you just have to endure? How much? Or put up with? How many things will you do today that you just have to put up with? Or hurry through as we raid around for the end of time and its rocket launch into eternity? It is a gift through which we participate in the present and daily work of God. This is the top of page 67. It's a gift to participate in the daily work of God. It's a gift to actually do the daily work, the normal stuff. Changing a kid's diaper is a sanctified act. Feeding the poor is a sanctified act. But sticking with it and doing it over and over again, doing the laundry is a sanctified act. It is a gift through which we participate in the present and daily work of God. I finally got it. End time influences the present. Remember, we've talked about this, eschatological time. We talked about this on Sunday mornings last year, that because we know what the end of the story is, this story is the living out of the end of the story, but it's actually the living out of it. It's not just doing anything. It's not just making yourself busy. It is actually the living out in the present and daily work of God, ordinary time. I finally got it. End time influences the present, ordinary time, not by diminishing or denigrating it. You see, and this is my thing about if you knew that the world was going to end today, the acid test is your life shouldn't be any different. If you knew that the world was ending at noon today, it shouldn't change your life. Your life should be exactly the same for the next 140 minutes. If you knew that Jesus was coming back at noon, nothing should change. 
because every moment is meant to be lived in the eschatolog eschatological reality. Go ahead, absolutely. Well, you might if you were hungry. She said she wouldn't go to the grocery store. I'm not, now here's the thing. Okay, now just, now here's the thing. Now just, I just want to, this, no, this is exactly the point, although I, I appreciate very much the example because it goes to the mundane. And see, the way you test things is always to take them to the ultimate point. Okay, let me just ask you what your experience is like with three small children in the grocery store. <clears throat> yes, it is. Now, what's wrong with an adventure? Good, and the right amount of, and the right amount of time. Yeah, so see, see, here's the thing now. This is, this is the whole thing about living in the eschatological reality, especially after the first bit on Mary. You read, did you read the first bit on Mary? And, okay, don't, don't, I, ah! You know what? And, that, and you know what? That's completely fine. You know what? See, that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of this. You didn't, you didn't need to read it, although you will appreciate, you will appreciate I mean, if you've had a child, I think you'll appreciate just the first 10 pages. Just sometime, sometime when you get some time, when, and that's okay. Sometime when you get some time, read the first 10 pages about the surprise and blessing of childhood, okay? So now, so, but this is exactly the point. This is exactly the point. If the Lord is coming back at noon, and between now and noon, your kids would need a bottle, although I think your kids are past the bottle point. Let's just say they, or they needed something. Wouldn't it make good sense to sort of fill out their last 140 minutes on earth by giving them what they need and rejoicing in the getting of that and the giving of that? Because if you didn't do that, let me just ask you, are you going to go home and scrub the floors? Or, well, I mean, what would fill the next 140 minutes? And Christ plays in 10,000 plays. <laughs> yes. No, but see, but no, but no, just just push this. This is precisely the point. I mean, this you're, it's almost pushed to absurdity. But see, the thing is, is push this hard. The, the whole point is, I mean, this is the ultimate reality, and this is the way life gets redeemed. That there is a joy of. Have you ever seen the parents you hate in the grocery store? These are the parents, for example, who let their kids put whatever they want in the cart, and then they don't buy it all. They put it back, and then they let their kids fill the cart again. Or there, there's always a kid doing snow angels in the, in, the, in the fresh fruit aisle. Yes? Okay, good. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, or there are kids always who say, who, who are crying to see if they can outlast their parents, right? Every kid goes through this. Where what, really what they do is they start to cry, and they have a watch on it, and, and what the thing is, is exactly, you can't break, right? Because if you break at 17 minutes, how long are they going to cry the next time? Yeah, exactly right, see? So you can't ever break. The first time is the critical time because you can't break. Because if you break, it's like, it's, like giving a, it's like giving a reward to a rat in a maze, right? You teach them that eventually their patience will be rewarded, right? But I just want to push this. I'm gonna, I will. I just want to push this to say... Although we may not want to take this exact example, but it is such a good one because it's so, what would be wrong with taking your kid to the store and playing in the grocery store aisle? Yes, please. Yes, she did use a nice word. 
Yes, she is. See, the thing is, we have to redeem the grocery store location. <clears throat> Here's the thing. And it's your last time ever to fold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, no, I don't think it would be so much the chore is over, but, you know, what I, what I hope, have hoped for is going to happen, you know. Um, I don't know. I just think I, I, it might, thinking that way, could definitely infuse a little bit more joy into all the mundane things that we have to do that are tasking. Right. It does. I would like gather a party. I would have a party. I would scramble to have a party. I mean I wouldn't Where it flows into the present, which is, I think, what Gigi is saying, how the, even the month, as we end, I guess the end time comes, as it, I think of it as flowing in, that what you're doing is just flowing right into it. That's a beautiful no break. illustration. I'm sorry, page 67. Yeah, right. There's no break. There's no break. Yeah, I never thought, you could think of it as this big kind of cataclysmic thing, but I never thought of it the way Gigi's saying that. It's just a course of normal time. It's just the fullness of our normal. Right. The completeness of it. Yes, please. There's, um, there's a beauty in the gift of just one moment. Or the moments with whatever I just, I, yes, uh, the thing, yes, I completely agree with you. I, and I'm, I'm still trying, I still want to see if I can come to grips with this thing about the store. Um, you're, a good, you're a good sport, so can I play hard here? Let's break the store visit down into its component pieces. Okay. okay? So which are the things that we don't, 
Which, what would be the most annoying? I've been to the store with my own children, so I have some, uh, I have some, at least empathy for this. So, <clears throat> what would be what would be the parts that would um, keep you from going to the store if you knew that the world was going to end in two hours and t four minutes from now? Yes, right. Yes. Yes, right. Okay. So it's a bit of touch football in the store with your kids. But this, now I just it is physically exhausting, but if you took your kid to the park and played, that would be physically exhausting too, but you'd say of that experience it was a marvelous experience, wouldn't you? <laughs> Physically exhausted. The plane is going down and you're cur Oh, she's straighten up. Sit straight. You're on a plane. Behave. <laughs> yes, but see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm trying to get to the next. I'm trying to get to the next level down. I just. I'm just. But go ahead. Go. 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 Yes, please. No, you're just stretching. No. Okay. But now you're going to have an eternity to do that. As soon as you two hours, four minutes from now, that's all that's going to happen. No more grocery stores in two hours and four minutes. Yeah. Or everything has just started. Yes, I do. Yes, I do, but I. Yeah, but yes, I, I, I take that point, but I, that's exactly the point I want to test because I think this is what contributes to. We have this notion that there are certain onerous tasks, and we also have this notion that there are certain sort of mundane tasks. And I think part of what he's prompting you to is the notion that both the mundane and the onerous, like washing people's feet or giving food to people who are hungry or dealing with really icky, stinky people somehow is a different level. What I'm trying to do is raise your experience at the grocery store with your kids to the level of, see the thing is, to the level of what is spiritual play. Here, here's the thing, here's the thing. Your, your trouble is not, not, forgive me, I know you pretty well and you're, you're playing along. Your trouble is not that you have three kids in the grocery store. Your trouble is that you don't have five hours for three kids in the grocery store. Your problem is that you have another thing to do. Because real honestly, what's the worst thing that can happen with three kids in the grocery store? The door's locked. They can't get through the checkout line. You know, they pretty much, I mean, I've been the kid, not mine weren't quite that close, but I've been with twins in a grocery store, which is, you know, they go two different directions. But what's the worst thing that could happen? I just pose it. Go ahead.
talk about that. Well, I didn't catch it, maybe you did, but just sort of living for, you know, not doing anything because we just need to pray and wait for Jesus. Right, yeah. But, but that but praying that, and waiting for Jesus isn't a part of what Jesus has given us to do. Or it elevates, it, it suggests that somehow praying and waiting for Jesus is a bigger deal than going to the store with the three kids that Jesus has given you. Which I just, I think it may be difficult to make that stick. Yes. See, we have bits of, yes, 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 exactly. We have bits of life that we think are holy, and then we have bits of life that are just sort of neutral, and then we have bits of life that we'd rather not do, and then we have bits of life that may be pleasurable but not holy, and we get caught up in those and we ignore these and we don't do that, and we do this every other week on Sunday morning at 9, which is a horrible way to look at your world. That's not a Genesis way of looking at your world. This is exactly his point. What you need to do is see, I think what he's trying to get you to see, is that the ordinary is extraordinary. Look at um, 60, let's see here. Look at 65, at the, the, just where it says the creation of gift, the gift of time. I've been to the grocery store. Listen, with Megan and Leah, okay, I'll tell you exactly the problem. Glass pickle jars? Yeah. Now just, don't, just, uh, just stop, just stop right here, because we're going we're gonna to take this one at a time. My best friend in, in high school, my best friend from kind of grade school, Fred Stoker, his favorite sound was the sound of breaking glass. So when you say, oh, but just, but just wanted, we have to test the data that you bring. We test the data. So you say glass pickle jars, and I say to myself, love to break a couple with Fred. <laughs> Reliving my childhood. Okay, okay, now stop. Let's test every, no, let's test it. No, 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 see, no, this is the problem with thinking. Thought creeps, okay? Go to a store. I was with Kit two nights ago at the Jewel. He says, can I have these 12 donuts? I said, no, you already got the coffee cake right there. He sits it down, it falls off on the floor, and the donuts scatter all over. Okay, he goes, what do I do? I said, that's the reason they say clean up on aisle five. <laughs> so, okay, so your problem is, so here's your first thing. You need to learn to appreciate the sound of breaking glass. And then, here was second, you need to shop in a store like the Jewel that doesn't charge you when you break the glass. No, Then you need to alternate stores. This is easy. You go Aldi, Jewel, Dominic's, Ultra, and then you just kind of swing through. They put all the glass stuff on the... Where so the children can break it so you can have fun. <laughs> no. Eventually they want you to pay for it. No, they never make you pay. They're making no, millions of dollars. No, no. Oh, gee. See, look at how under the law all of you are. You have so many rules in your lives. Go ahead. No, they're going to open things? Go ahead. Yes. Who's screaming at Jesus? Oh, we got to draw a line somewhere. Whoa. I'm going to tell you a story about that. 
Oh, she would say that. That's the kind of thing she would say. You're right. <laughs> Most of the psalms are about screaming at Jesus, by the way. If you read the psalms. Yes, please. Okay, well, there's mundane things, okay, like holding laundry and stuff like that. And that's good stuff. But what about all the sin in the world? We don't, we're not doing sin right here. That, that changes our category. No. Cha- sin. Yes. See, I think it's not going far enough. They can slip and fall. Okay, that's bad. I'm not going to appreciate that. You have a $25 deductible they and they love to... St- they, they stitch it back up. No, the, the point, no, no, here's the point. The point being, this is, and I, and I know that we're pushing this a little bit far, but the point being is, okay, you can pursue that line of thought and you're going to have the same life you had when you came in at 9 o'clock. Which is a life where you can't respond to a phone call, a life where you can't respond to a letter, a life where your kid, I mean, I came last night, it was a very long day, and Kit, I love, you know, Kit kind of, he's beginning to, at eighth grade, he's kind of intuiting what's going wrong. And he, I'd been here all day, and then I had to swing him back, and he went out for dinner. He went to practice and went for dinner by himself, and he's back, and there's 10 minutes, and i got to go see Beth. And I'm like, he starts talking to me, and I said, I, I started talking, and then he interrupted me. And I started talking to him, I said, just please listen. There's only like six minutes here. He goes, was it a really rough day? Kit says this to me. I'm like, whoa, right? Because here's, I'm talking to my son, I'm going to see Beth, and I've been in the church all day, and life's going to be fine. And if something doesn't change, I just have the life that I always have had. I mean, you can, here's the thing. If, you, if you're all satisfied with your lives, if you're actually living your life, here, just open your text. If this is a description of your life, don't change. Okay, if this is your life, 65 the creation of the gift of time. Just listen to this. Just listen to this. The understanding and honoring of time is fundamental to the realization of who we are and how we live. So if you don't understand time, you don't know how to live. Okay? And I would just suggest to you, gently as your pastor, none of us, including me, understand time. And the proof of it is, is that we've always got some place to go and something to do that doesn't really flip and matter. Okay? Violations of sacred time become desecrations of our most intimate relations with God and other people. Because I don't have time for my son. Because I got seven minutes and I got stuff I got to do. And he just wants to talk to me about his day, but I'm too busy for that because I got, you know, he had three practices yesterday between, you know, 3.15 and 8.30 and I have to get him to all of them because God forbid we would overschedule. We don't overschedule. We just want to achieve, okay? <laughs> and besides that, there's a really big homework assignment. You know there are schools banning homework now? I move into that district. Because they basically say, and I'm not busting on teachers, but they basically say teachers are teaching during the day. Kids are supposed to learn during the day and play at night. Instead, they're just kind of, they're, they're, they're it's Menlo Park is one of them, California, which is a very, very, very high-achieving group of people who you think would want, oh, they want all their little kids to go to Stanford just down the road, you know, 16 blocks. They've just banned homework in the district. 
because they think you should play with your kids at night. Wow, that's a weird concept. Hours and days, weeks and months and years are the very stuff of holiness. Every minute is redeemed. Among the many desecrations visited upon the creation, the profanation of time ranks near the top, at least among North Americans and especially at St. John Lutheran Church, Wheaton, Illinois. Time is the medium in which we do all our living. When time is desecrated, life is desecrated. The most conspicuous evidences of this desecration are hurry, that was the one you named, thank you very much for your Seven Deadly Sins website, and then the other side is, no, you're right, that was one side, the other side, and I thought this was very clever, procrastination. Hurry turns away the gift of time in a compulsive grasping for abstractions that it can possess and control. We've got to get through the grocery store because we've got to get to the next thing, because we've got to get to the next thing, because then Craig is coming home, and then we've got to get to the next thing, and then we've got to get him to bed because we have to get him up the next morning for the next thing. Right? I have, I have a pastor's discretionary fund, like when people do a wedding, you know, we don't take money, we put it in for, I'll, here's what I'll do. I mean, whatever you break in the grocery store for the next year, I'll pay for. <laughs> take your kids and turn them loose. I'll pay the damages, you let me know how it goes. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I'm not, I'm not only, I'm only, I'm only, yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not actually saying, you know, let them go and back. They shouldn't go back and slice their own meat in the deli. I mean, I just, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, there is a, yeah, but you, but see, that's not our problem. Because let me just ask you, I mean, you got good kids, but you got boys. And I had four boys, and I know what it's like to be with boys, okay? Four boys is a different deal, right? But the thing is, is I don't think you probably ever have let them use the meat slicer in the deli, have you? Do you let them fry their own chicken when you go to the Jewel? Well, don't let them stand up in the cart. I mean, there's, you don't let them run through the plate grass window either. I'm not sort of advocating for anything goes. What I'm advocating for is a full, rich living of the grocery store experience. Okay? What I'm, what, what, how long do you think it takes you to go to the grocery store with your two kids? No, see? <laughs> this is exactly right. If you were to go with your kids to the grocery store, how long would it take? There's a simple solution here. How long would it take? Two hours. So here's my, here's my pastoral prescription for you. Allot four hours. Okay, but see, now why can't you allot four hours? Yeah, you got to get, because you got something stacked up. Yes, it does. But see, then, see, the thing is, is that causes us to reflect upon our mortgage. If there's anything that the last, you know, six months has done in America, it has caused people to reflect upon the size of their mortgages. Yes? See, this is part of the, and this just, I mean, I don't want to go to my tithing lecture right now, but, you know, if you can't tithe, your mortgage is too big. I'm not talking about you, because I know that your husband, her husband is very faithful in the stewardship thing here. And it's, but, if you, but frankly, no, he runs it, so I mean, you're safe when I say that to you. But when I say that to you, but if you can't, I mean, basically, if you can't tithe, your mortgage is too big. If you can't tithe, you have too many cars, right? That's just the way life is. Because the Lord is first fruits, not last fruits. You see, you see, you see how this is symptomatic of everything. See, we think going to the grocery store 
and being all stressed out is the normal thing. It's really symptomatic of the most basic things. That we don't understand space and time the way Jesus understands space and time. You're going to say, please. Yes, only one to go, Gigi. That's right. Sometimes. It gets more enjoyable. I'm sorry. Right. And the actual study shows that it's the opposite. Right. It's those that don't multitask and give undivided attention to what you're doing at the moment. Right. It's actually much more effective and you know, gets work done. So the question is, if you uncluttered your life, if I did less things but what I did it I did well and complete. Right. And you did less things but what you did was different. We'd get a lot done, but right. we'd be far less stressed than what we are. Right. Because we, you know, in our in our multitasking, all we really do is make ourselves little. So when your kid does come in, especially like a teenager, if your kid wants to talk to you at eleven o'clock at night, you've got ten minutes of lunch, mm-hmm. and you're two flipping books. <laughs> then I'm not your mom. Right. And you'll find somebody else to talk to. to That's right. That's right. I just, I just want to be clear about this. I, it, and I don't, if, you get, if you misunderstand this, you'll miss the whole point. I'm not saying turn your kids loose for destruction and mayhem in the grocery store. I'm not saying that. <laughs> or in any other place. That's right. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the way that we order our lives does not allow us to live our lives in the way of the gospel. And in the way of the gospel, of course, is we don't break the pickle jars on purpose. You know, you can throw the orange once and then put it back before the grocery manager comes. We don't slice our own meat in the deli. And we don't talk back or scream. I mean, we understand the way. The, 
But that, believe me, that's not your normal problem. Your normal problem is, duh, that's your normal problem. That is not the way life was meant to be. Life, as you remember, was in a garden with people together rejoicing in creation. Go ahead. Sometimes, sometimes lying, lying pays dividends later. <laughs> this is whatever. Hey, you don't know if I'm telling the truth or not. So yeah. Yes, I, I actually, I actually, I do. To me, Seville. But the thing, is, well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I sort of gave one start, and I was only, I wasn't completely facetious. I mean, if it takes you two hours to go to the grocery, you probably should just try, just try scheduling three. Just, just try scheduling three. So here is here is my. Nothing is wrong with it. Nothing. You know what? No, 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 no. Because you know what? You know what my, my greatest joys is. Here's a. You know this is under the opposite of the track category. You know what my greatest joys is? Going to the grocery store alone, and going up and down every aisle. Oh, they changed the packaging on the Triscuits. Isn't God good? <laughs> Yeah, I do, here's the thing. I, I want to be really clear about this. I'm not. See, the, one of the interesting things is, is all the presumptions we make about other people. I was talking to somebody yesterday about how just people tend, if there's not a story floating out, people tend to make up a story. They just tend to make up a story. And then, you know, so here's what I'm not saying. I'm not sorting, I'm not saying take your kids to the Aldi and cause bedlam. I'm not saying you have to take your kids to the store. I'm not, here, I'm not saying a lot of things. Well, here's what I am saying. If you're at the store, go to the store. And if you're with your kids in the store, then be with your kids in the store. And maybe my kid doesn't need to play on three sports teams right now. Maybe that's really not important. Maybe one is just going to be okay. And guess what? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe we're just all out of whack. I just want you to consider the possibility today that we're just all out of whack and that we would be better if we picked three missionaries and stuck with them for a decade, short of them doing anything that was heretical, or that we scheduled two things today, you know? You're going to go to the grocery store, and we're going to have dinner at home. I mean, I know there are mercies. You know, Kirby didn't come late last night. You know, it's 1 or 2 in the morning, but it's because there's a tax day land on the 15th. I know. Same with us. Somebody dies or something happens. Yes, it's... But the problem is, is our normal lives. The problem is with norm, what we live as normal life is abnormal. And normal it's because, and oh, it was very honest to say, because I have a big mortgage to pay, because I want my kids to get into a really good school, because I've got an extra car, because we want to take, you know, just name the reasons why you do what you do, because I want my kids to do better than your kids, because I, just name what it is, right? Name what it is. As opposed to, I mean, just think, of, think back to Nowen last year and the way he would talk about living his normal life and seeing the joy and everything. We block, the, oh, the sole point is, by the way that we order our lives, we block ourselves from the beauty of normal engagement with people and with things, right? Time and space with people and with things. We don't have normal relations because of the way we structure our lives. And the, you know what the problem with all of us is? We think this is normal. Do any of you, do any of you go, uh, I hear this from people who go south, where life is slow. 
Like, did you ever, have you ever been in a restaurant? Have you ever been in a restaurant where people, I'm not saying this is a criticism. Have you ever been with people from the north in a restaurant in the south? Oh, yeah, and they start pounding on the table because, you know, hey, my, yeah, yeah, you're right. And one of them say, what's going on? It's just, no, it's just, go. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, give her the Valium drip. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, and what's, what's interesting is you're all good, bright, successful, normal people. But look how rebellious you are against this. I mean, this just strikes you as the weirdest possible thing, does it not? I'm going to go there and then come right back to you. Go ahead. Just as an aside, you might begin to think about what it means for the Sabbath to be a day of rest as well. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of at the end of the six, and whatever sort of slops over, you, you sort of get sort of taken care of for toward a fresh start. Kids in eighth grade, I just I went around this morning and asked kids what time they went to bed last night. Uh, 11, 11.30. I signed, I, by the way, as a senior pastor, I assigned bedtimes to kids tonight. Some of them are at 8.15, 8.30. And I'm like, what time do you go? It's Friday. I'm like, so you come to school and you're completely asleep. They're just like, you know. So, yes, please. You were talking about the South, but it made me think of the Europeans who, you know, they take two-hour lunches. Exactly. We inhale our food. And right. We don't enjoy the company. Right. We don't enjoy the meal. Yes, right. Yes, please. That's very helpful, yes. Right. Yeah, yes, right. If we if we just said if everybody sort of said what was the best thing or two that happened to you the last year, it'd be very interesting, right. Yes. Yes, that's a great way to say it. Yes. Yes. Time well spent is a great phrase, isn't it? Yeah, you, it's currency that you that you have that you, you, you purchase things that are valuable. You know, why is it that you don't talk the first 15 minutes and then you won't leave. Is there a reason for that? Go ahead. All right. I just 
on a more serious note, I I actually have been experiencing this all my life. Okay, did anybody listen to Pink Floyd? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson did. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Good. Now the thing is, the thing that will be the, the most difficult exercise going out of here will be, try, you, you understand, what you should listen for is, is the basic sort of law-gospel distinction. When you talk about measure and you talk about sort of thing, the, what you described in your mother could be described as a very gospel thing. She cares for her children. She kept order. She showed the discipline and obedience every day to get up. By the way, we haven't even talked about all the obedience talk in here, which is so foreign to us, which goes very easily with him to the rejoicing talk as well. The thing is, is all of this needs to be parsed differently. We, and what we'll, if we'll get it completely wrong if we go out and say, people who hold a job or people who have deadlines or people who really apply themselves all have it wrong or people who have kids or people who do this. The point is to figure out within the time that we are given and within the space where we are put, how to find the greatest gospel use. And there are all kinds of pushes on us that make us not do that. We don't get to know each other. We don't talk to each other. Even upstairs when we have church and everybody's got to get in and everybody's got to get out. I mean, you can argue that, yeah, we're getting more people in to get the body and blood of Jesus. You can also argue that that's the greatest violation of community there could possibly be. You see, everything just gets, that gets all screwed up. So the point is, I'm not, I'm not sort of looking at people and I'm not sort of looking at, 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 at things. I am looking at vocation and saying, what's the best use of what goes on, you see? Right, yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> yes, right. The anticipation of, exactly, yes. Right. But that's, that's perfect. Because that's, that's the perfect example, which is a dance class, which is a neutral to good thing, becomes now a press to a negative thing, right? So the great joys in our life, 
are, are really reduced when they, when they come under the law, when they come under the measure, under the press, under the weight, under the demand, they're ruined. Which is exactly why I suggest you smash pickles in the Aldi store. Go ahead. Yes. Right. 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 The, the, the mundane things have their own purpose. As long as they're forgiven into Jesus, they're, they're, whatever it is that you have to do. Yeah. If your kid wets a diaper between now and noon, you probably want to, you wouldn't want your kid to have diaper rash between 11.30 and noon, so you'd go ahead and change it now. This is important to, it's important for that to be done. What's Ephesians 2.10? Powers and principalities, and no, no, I just no. What are you thinking of? That wasn't asking you to quote it, but just what are you thinking of? Yeah, from forever. Right. 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 It's a ex yes, that's right. It's a good work when it's a forgiven work. Saying your prayers is not more noble than changing your kid's diaper. Because it's a good work when it's a forgiven work. When it's done within forgiveness, when it's done within Eden, when it's done within creation, when it's done within Christ, when it's done within the church, it's a good work. Anything outside isn't done. Um, we got to go, but just, let's just finish the paragraph on 65. In the middle of the second paragraph, hurry turns away from the gift of time in a compulsive grasping for abstractions that it can possess and control. So I've got to hurry up and control my life. If I don't get this done, what will happen to my kids? They won't get into school, and they'll never play, and they'll be failures, and their self-esteem will fall, and things are going to be terrible, and life will be... Well, your life's already hell, so why don't you just stop, okay? Procrastination is distracted from the gift of time in lazy inattentiveness to the life of obedience and adoration by which we enter into the fullness of time. Isn't that interesting? Now this, and this eliminates the notion of a free-for-all. You don't go to the store and do anything you want. Obedience actually is a good thing. It orders your life, it's respectful of others, and it's helpful in enjoying because disobedience does create stress and trauma for yourself and other people. And adoration, look at the new Trisket box, by which we enter the fullness of time, every moment, every time. This is the, this is the sort of thing about you know, living in the moment, but it's living in the moment because it's an obedience in Christ, an adoration of Christ who gives us all good gifts. That's living in the moment. It's not kind of the Zen living in the moment. It's my Creator has given me these things to enjoy, and if I'm not enjoying it, the problem is with me and not with Him. Whether by a hurried grasping or by a procrastinating inattention, Time is violated, and then you probably read the rest. Genesis 1 is not in a hurry, and Genesis 2 does not procrastinate. That is brilliant. I mean, that is 10 words or less. What's Genesis 1 and 2 about? Genesis 1 is not in a hurry. Genesis 2 does not procrastinate. That's why you've got to love people who are way cooler than, you know, normal people. All right, you know what? Have a look at the second, kind of the second half of the chapter. Go past the Genesis 1 and 2 bits and um, just read the next bit. I know that it's thick reading. I know that not everybody can read because you don't have the time. I know all of that, but the thing is you're kind of in this by nature. So, uh, You know, it's after, uh, right there, yeah. Start at 85 kind of and read on.
just start at 85 and read on a little bit. I mean, obviously, we're not trying to, it's not like we have to finish the book by the end of the semester or anything. You just kind of read in. It's much more helpful for you to read slowly and to sort of have some things you want to talk about. Then I'm not pushing. I just don't want to bore you, you know. So we'll sort of see what happens. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pray and let's go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Amen.